You always have to remember that there's the business side to being an executor, and then there's the emotional side of it. And the two will overlap, especially when talking about a loved one and their estate to strangers. But how do you do all this and cope with the sense of loss? My guest, psychologist Marianne Van Oyen, says those grieving need to understand that the shock of their loss will help them get things done, and they should capitalize on this energy, even though they will be feeling that everything is surreal. On this episode of the Executor Help Podcast, How to Handle Grief. Welcome to the Executor Help Podcast, the show dedicated to help you settle an estate, pick an executor, and avoid family fights. For more information, visit davidedy.com. Now here's your host, David Eady. So with me today is psycho, um, psychologist Marianne Van Oyen. And today we're going to be looking at the areas of grief. And uh, Marianne, first, thanks for being here on the podcast. Talk about this really important area when it comes to estate planning and something that's probably overlooked. And if you don't treat it, it can go on, manifest itself to go on for years and years just from a, you know, the death or the loss of, of, of a loved one. Um, so once again, thank you for being here. So why is it grief is such a hard thing to get a handle on? Why is it, why do some people be able to handle it one way and other people seem to struggle with it? Oh, that's a good question. Um, because really grief, first of all, grief is a very profound experience. Um, everybody's going to experience in some shape or form or another, different intensities probably, uh, depending on the person and who died. So some of those are the issues why, let's say somebody would seemingly be better with handling grief versus somebody else. Uh, if it's a sudden death, it's gonna be harder. If it's a child, even harder. So <clears throat> depends on who died and the context of the death. Who the person is, do they have good coping strategies? Have they experienced this before? Do they have a therapist that they can speak to? Do they have friends who will rally around them? Uh, do they have a supportive family? So those are ingredients that will help somebody weather that grief storm um, with more grace, if I can call it that, knowing full well that grief has many components to it. I mean, there's the shock factor, there's the deep sadness, which people get confused sometimes when they go, am I depressed? Oh, you're, you're grieving. Grieving is not the same as depression. It might turn into depression. Um, but there's, so there's a deep sadness. There's anger. There could be guilt. There could be bargaining. If somebody has, let's say, had an accident and you don't know if they're going to make it or not. And so you start to bargain with God or whoever you believe in saying, please, 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 you know, don't let them die, please. If, if you, if you save them, then I'll do this, whatever the bargaining is, or just give them, if it's cancer, give them an extra year of life. So that happens, bargaining, guilt. Did you, did the person leave on a bad note before that person died? And they didn't get to say the things they wanted to say. There was no, you know, it's unfinished business, business. basically. Yeah, yeah. So, so that complicates, that can complicate the grieving. Um, if there's unfinished business, if there was a rift, if there was tension, those are factors too. And people will go back and forth. You, you can go from grieving to anger, to sadness, to, to anger, to guilt, to bargaining, to guilt, to sadness. It, 
it's just part of that process until finally or hopefully maybe some people never get to acceptance but hopefully through that journey um someone can land and basically have to accept the unacceptable it's unacceptable but you have to learn to accept it so that you can move on basically with your life now so suppose you you've taken on you're able to handle the grief or you know there's a sadness and mm-hmm. perhaps maybe you're in in uh in charge of the estate and you see that people are 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 not acting or in your view not acting the way they should be that they're going off and doing their own thing and it they start to bring on conflict in, into the uh, the family relationship, the dynamics, because if and a death in a family can change the dynamics of a family going forward, mm-hmm. and everybody's going to be different. Yes. Um, and in your in your experience, when you've probably dealt with uh, patients that are, are grieving, what do they say to you when they see that others aren't acting for? I don't know if acting is the correct word, but they're not they're not handling the grief and not. You know, staying together and keeping the family together. Okay, so once again, grieving is a very personal experience. So one person may dive deep into their grief. Somebody else might just always be angry. Somebody else is going to escape their pain through drugs and alcohol. Somebody else is not going to want to participate in, let's say, dealing with the estate or having to, you know, pack up things or decide what 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 stays, what goes. And because depending, I guess, on how big the family is too if everyone's dealing with it quite differently you may have people going in one direction the other one in the other direction somebody else standing still they can't move so one you have to understand that grieving is very personal and you don't want to judge how someone's grieving but if it impacts the family dynamic negatively so it's not functioning properly or you you know the the family can't deal with the estate process or there's fights on who gets what or what how do you deal with the, the belongings of the person who died? Now you're creating tension on top of grief. So again, you can't force somebody to process grief the way you think they should, but you can have a conversation or write a letter or say, listen, you know, wow, like let's, let's cut to the bottom line. We're a family, right? Are we a family? Do we want to work together? Do we want to heal together? Do with respect for each other's differences? If we do, maybe we need to go to um, group therapy. Maybe we need to just see our own therapist. Maybe we just need to simply read some books and sit and have a conversation. Um, But you want to know what's the will of of every player in that family. Do they want to work together or they don't? If they don't, well, then you're going to have conflict. Um, And unfortunately, that happens. And sometimes people never talk to each other again, or you're having to run to lawyers so it, it, it can be tricky, but you want to try to, again, respect everyone's differences and see what everyone's will is. If it's to work together, that's great. How are we going to do it? If it's not, why not? Why? What's going on? Is there something in the will situation? Is it the way the person died or what, what seemed to be causing the, the conflict? And can it be understood and rectified? Not everything can be solved, but... Those are some things to think about in terms of approaches. When it comes to the, that family dynamic, if if it, there was a if there was a mom that kept you know she kept everybody at at bay, and you know she knew that 
you know, the children are, you know, even though they're adults now, they've always fought, but she was the glue. She was the one to say, okay, fine. Christmas dinner's here and Easter's going to be here. And everybody came together and now Mm -hmm. she's gone or dad's gone. And now it seems everybody's lost. How does one, is it one person or is it, is somebody going to, you know, pick up the mantle now and say, okay, mom and dad aren't here no more. The glue glue that kept us together for the legacy to continue on is this family is not there anymore. Is, is it usually one person's going to say we need to do something or is the, that anger and resentment that they had as kids and now as adults and that glue is not longer there that they're just going to go their separate ways. Great question again. So with the glue gone, there's no glue, but if somebody was the glue, let's say the matriarch, the mom, the family, and she passes on, hopefully she transferred those values to her children, or at least one of them picked it up, right? And said, oh my God, mom's died. I want to be the glue. I need to be the glue. And they'll reach out and say, okay, listen, we're going to get together. We're going to, they might try to control the situation or they might make, might make suggestions as to, okay, we need to be a family. We need to be tight. We still need to celebrate Christmas or whatever. They celebrate birthdays. And again, see who's on board. If they're like, yeah, that's great. Let's do it. Or maybe, no, no, we want to change traditions. We don't want to do that anymore. We don't, you know, we don't, we don't have to. Oh, okay. Again, put, put the cards on the table, have a conversation. What do people want now going forward? Do they want to stay connected? Can they do some conflict resolution if there's any conflict? Can they decide on how they're going to go and progress forward with family events? Are they still interested in doing family events? Some yes, maybe, some no, some yes, but they're like, no, we don't want the big complicated situation. We don't want to do that anymore. Having, I don't know, like 40 people over for a holiday. Let's do something different. So it's often a time to, you can reinvent traditions that suit the siblings better maybe their families or there, or people will say, no, we, we love the traditions we grew up with. Let's do that. And they'll have to discuss how it's going to get done. But if people don't want to partake in family gatherings or be part of that system for whatever reason, because they fought all their lives growing up, or again, there's an issue around the will. And it's like, well, I don't agree with that. Well, too bad. That's what she put in the will or what have you. Well, then fine. I'm never talking to you again. It's, you can't, you can't change someone's will. You can only ask where their will is and if they want to work with you. So that's, those are some ideas, I guess, or strategies or things to consider in terms of what does the collective want and who's going to step forward. If nobody's going to be on board and you figure, okay, I should maybe I'm the oldest or I'm always been the one that, you know, always helped mom and, and they've, you know, gone through the process of what you're saying is to talk to us. Hey, let's continue. At what point do you cut off and say, okay, fine. It might hurt me, but we're, I'm going to go on with my life. So at, at what point do you say, you know, I can't do this anymore. Is, is it, is that come to a, like a, we're going to have like a final conversation with everybody and say, well, I don't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to push this. And if you don't want to be, part of the, the, the traditions and the process we had before when mom and dad were alive, then so be it. And I wish you all the best in your lives. And we just move on. Is that is. Okay. Why, why does it have to be so drastic? Okay. You can have the, yes. You can have the conversation of, 
okay, you don't want to do those traditions anymore, but I really do. And so does this sibling over here. Um, so it's like, so you don't want, you don't want to. Okay, is the reason why, Ma? Because I don't like it anymore. It's too far away. It's too much my, whatever, whatever. The right. issue. So then anybody can do what they want. They can't, you can't force anybody to, to join you, you know, at the party. But if you want to host something and other family members, nieces, nephews, Views, cut whatever whoever wants to come then then go ahead and do it but just because somebody might not want to participate as a in in events the way they used to be it doesn't mean you have to cut them off and never talk to them again well, i wasn't i wasn't i didn't mean it like that okay maybe it sounded like that but i'm gonna go on with, i'm gonna go on with my life and <laughs> okay maybe sorry we all back it up maybe maybe i was a bit rough no because there there are in, in some families, there are people who see themselves as matriarchs yeah, with, with parents and others, the other siblings like, like, no, no, you're actually not. And if you don't participate, they take it personal. They're going to give you grief. And I'm not saying cut off. Well, now, now you make me sound like I'm a really bad guy. But no, I, I'm, I was just trying to go the other extreme. But okay. we can bring it back by you saying, no, no, you don't have to be that extreme. Go ahead. Right. And, and again, listen, you know, if it's a matriarch or a patriarch who wants to take over, depending on what's, what's, what's the spirit or what's the feeling in that person's heart. If it's like, this is what I'd really love to do for all of you and all of us who's in, and it's an offering, then maybe people are like, okay, yeah, that's great. Or let's change it up this way. Can we speak? Can we have a conversation? Or is that matriarch or patriarch going to be super bossy and say, this is the way it's going to go. And this is what we're doing doing uh, and you have to come well no i don't actually um don't tell me what to do so again you you know have respectful if possible respectful conversations about what are the expectations moving forward and you want to do that in any relationship actually you know boss employee uh, man woman 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 whoever you're with um, you want to understand what are the family members? What, what, what are the expectations now? What do we want? What do we don't want moving forward? And explore that. Okay, so let, let's get back more on the, the, um, on the grief uh, mm-hmm. aspects. I think you had, you, you want to, we were, before we started, you had a story you want to talk about when in, in your own situation where, where grief came into play. Yep. So I didn't have a lot of experience with grief you know, I just had some here and there, but I think one of my biggest fears was when I knew my mother was going to die. That was huge for me. So I, I'm a, but I'm a person who will face things head on. I'm and I am the eldest. So I took the reins in that sense. Um, and, and spoke, you know, spoke to my mother. What does she want to do? Um, did she want to do chemo? No. Okay. So again, I had to honor where she was at. She was open to doing um, naturopathic types of treatments, changing the diet, you know, things like that. It didn't really help her. And she certainly did not want to go into palliative care. So no problem. So she stayed at home. Her last breaths were lying in bed early, early in the morning, 6.40 a.m. on Labor Day. And we're talking 31 years ago now. Um, and I'm lying by her side, holding her hand basically for her last breaths. And that 
that was a gift to me. And I think people might need to see that, that death doesn't have, it's, listen, no one wants to die. I don't want to see people die, but it's, if it's going to happen, decide how you want to enter that journey, get organized too. So when I knew my mother was going to die, I did have to say, well, I think you have a will, but where's your will? Like I need, I need to know. So she said, so it's here and then I'm okay, fine. And I got it. I, I started looking for a notary. I asked friends for help. My sister, she and I are close. She's my younger sister. What could she do on her end? We got the VON involved. So we had some care coming to the house, volunteers here and there. So if you can, I mean, again, it's personal, but you, I didn't run away. Instead, I, I leaned in basically because I felt I had to out of respect. And I, and I, everybody has to be able to live with their decisions. So I knew that I had to live with how I was going to deal with my mother's passing and everything afterwards. So she made it super clear it was simple in our case. She wanted to be cremated. She wanted her remains over an international body of water. So you know, we brought the ashes to Holland in the North Sea because that's where my mother spent a lot of her 20s having a good time. Um, so my sister and I decided that that was the best thing to do. We went together, we assembled family in Holland and we had a whole little personal ceremony right on the pier. So I followed, we followed her wishes. That's what she wanted. That's what we're going to do. And I think that's super important to do. So you want a clear mandate if you can from the person who's dying, or at least if they've written something in a will and it's a sudden death, at least you have a, a protocol, right? To follow. Right. Now, the grieving process after is, I mean, it's gut-wrenching. So you have to realize that in the beginning, there's this numbness coupled with this adrenaline. And that's there so you can cope. That's there so you can get things done. Whether it's writing obituaries, planning a funeral, hosting people, getting your life in order, you, that, that serves you so you can function to a certain extent on what you need to do. And then all the myriad of feelings afterwards come hitting hard, like a tsunami in the beginning, you know, that boil you over. I remember feeling super winded and just this shock of like, oh my God, this is really true. What? My mother really died. I can't believe it. this is, it's a surreal concept. Okay. Anyone who's experienced, right? Yeah. So very unreal. Um, and the, that the waves of the pain really like hit hard. So again, I decided to lean into it. I found some great books around death and dying, the afterlife. So I got really curious about that, started to tap into belief in angels, the universe, God, what have you, finding comfort in that. So that was great. And then I plunged into active grieving just because I was carrying this load of emotion around with me everywhere. And I had the function. I have to go, I eventually had to go back to work, right. And help people. So I'm like, okay, I can't show up with this pain inside me that I need to process. So I bought myself a journal and I got myself a candle and I, you know, I speak of that. And I just, no more than an hour in, in solitude, light the candle, start the ritual. And then we'll just start writing. And it could be like, I, I, I wanted to write down memories I never wanted to forget, certain things. I never want to forget that. I'm going to write it down. Okay. Sometimes I would cry. Sometimes I wouldn't. Another time I might sit down because I 
I just felt like crying my eyes out and I would just start writing. Like, I am so sad. And then I made my pen would drop and I was just like crying, 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 crying. Like just the whole book would be wet with tears. until I felt like, okay, I've done enough crying for now. And I mean, that's just a piece of it. And then blow out the candle. But then the, the pact that I made with myself, and I think that's important for everybody to do is to say, okay, now I have to do something positive or constructive or fun afterwards. So whether it's go for a shower, have a nap, go for a walk, listen to music, watch a comedy show, have a tea, go outside, whatever it is, just do something to boost up your, your mood to support you through the rest of the day. And generally what happens is if there's a big session like that of tears, the next day I went, oh, I feel lighter. I feel better. Oh, that's good. And then I maybe a few days will go by and I'm like, oh, I'm now I'm super angry about something. So start writing about the anger. Sometimes it could be like three, four, five pages and don't edit it because no one's going to read it except you maybe. Just let it go. And then go, okay, enough of that. So it's whatever emotions are coming up or memories that you want to process. That is one very effective way to deal with your feelings because it's the kinetic movement of writing that's very therapeutic. And then you release because if you don't, if you don't express experience and express and release your emotions, if you don't express, you depress. So that's when the grief can turn into depression because you're just sitting on these really heavy, heavy feelings that are bringing you down because especially also anger. If you are not expressing the anger, anger at a sibling, anger, whatever, and you know, that the person died even like, how could you die on me? That happens. And then people feel guilty. If you don't express anger, that turned on the self turns also into depression. So we can't discount our feelings. Feelings are, you know, emotions and feelings are energy. And that energy has to go somewhere. And if it's not being released, you're, you're stuck with it. Yeah. And it will impact you. you. You mentioned, you know, the anger and it leading to depression. And they say laughter is the best medicine. When yeah. is a good time to, to laugh? Is it okay to laugh during this process? Should you feel guilty laughing? No, please don't, because we're all human and it's, it's, it is good medicine. It will help regulate your breathing. And, you know, the person who's passed on is not going to want everybody be sitting crying all day. In fact, I think, I mean, if there, if there's that real love there, that's the last thing I say, in my case, my mother, that's the last thing she would want me and my sister to be doing is wasting our life away, crying all the time. Cause she's not around that, that we would cry of course. But I think in her heart, heart of hearts is the person who's dying wants to know that the people that are leaving behind will be okay in most cases. So laugh. And it's not that you have to plan to laugh. Just let yourself laugh. Like let yourself be. And that's why I say like, after you've cried, maybe watch, I don't know, an episode of Seinfeld or Dave Chappelle or whoever you want. And just let yourself laugh and don't feel guilty. Just laugh. And then tell yourself it's okay. Like have compassion for yourself. And don't be too hard on yourself because it's not going to change anything for the person who died. 
So I'm going to bring them back. And again, they wouldn't want you to be suffering like that for the most part. So allow yourself to laugh and know it's normal and it's just part of life. Just before we wrap it up, say that you, you're able to, you know, have your own process to handle the grief and you see others struggling Mm -hmm. and you don't want to, uh, you don't want to, you know, invade in and how they're grieving. And you see that they're heading down a path. I'm not going to say destruction, but it could be because of, you know, drugs or alcohol, or you see that they're heading into a depression. What could you, what could someone do if you see that's happening and their, the grief, they, they, they haven't taken anything to cope properly. Again, you know, I mean, it's hard. It's hard to talk about grief and because again, it's personal, but if you, whether it's a sibling, a friend, family member, whoever, and you sense, you can just check in like, Hey, how are you doing? You know, like, how are you feeling since your mother died? For example, that's been really tough. I can't get out of bed. I haven't been able to go to work. I can't think, wow, why, what's going on? So I can ask some questions and then either you can, you, you don't ever want to tell somebody, well, you, I think this is what you should do. No, no. Offer suggestions. But before you even do that, say, would you, would you like to know how I'm dealing with it? Can I offer you some suggestions? Sure. Like what, why, what do you do? So then I could talk about active grieving. I could talk about reading. I could talk about angels. I can talk about other things. Somebody else might say, Oh, I I started seeing this amazing therapist. Like he or she's so great. It's really helping me. Or I joined this bereavement group or I read this book and it's fantastic. Do you want to, do you want to borrow it? And again, it could be like, sure. And if the person's like, no, I don't, I don't want to do anything. I don't want to, I just, I just want to be alone. Okay. Well then we also want to see like how depressed are they? Because you don't want somebody taking their life. Right. So you can say like, are you saying you don't want to live anymore? And if they're like, well, I really find it hard. Oh, okay. Any thoughts of suicide? Is there a plan? If there's a plan, then that's 911. That's, that's you, you, you talk to that person. You can bring them to the hospital if you feel they're really seriously at risk. And a plan is they tell you, well, I have five vials of pills. And I was thinking, yeah, if, if I don't feel better by the end of the weekend, I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. Oh, okay. So you can't let, you can't that leave, leave that alone. But if somebody's like, I have occasional thoughts of why continue and say, but are you saying you want to die? No, I don't want to die. I'm just having a hard time. Okay. Well, look, I'm concerned about you. If you need to reach out, let me know. Or if you want the name of that therapist or you want the name of that book, let me know. So just touch base, but you can't do the work for somebody and you can't force them to, to process their grief. Um, you can keep an eye out. You can offer suggestions if they're open to them. You can say, hey, you want to go for coffee and do your spot checks. But there's, you can't make somebody want to help themselves, but you can certainly check in. So why don't we end this on a positive note? So sure. we're talking about grief. Wow, that, that was heavy. <laughs> yeah, wow. but you know what? It's heavy, but death's heavy. It's heavy. It, it's heavy. And it's heavier for some than others. And again, depends on the situation. And it can be like that for some people. Yeah. When we, you know, let's not fool ourselves, right? So let's be aware that someone might not be coping well. And we need to understand how bad is it so that there is an awareness of some kind of support. 
So I'm just putting that out there. But yes, on the positive note, David. On, on, on a positive note, when it comes to grief, how do you know or how should somebody know that, hey, I'm doing better? What are some of the what are some of the feelings they should feel? What should what what where should their mind space be at that they're saying, you know what, I, I think I'm I think I've turned the corner. That's a great question. Um when I talked about that tsunami in the beginning, like hitting your chest or you're winding your gut because it's like this realization the person died, when the, that tsunami is calmed down and now it's more of occasional waves of sadness or whatever emotions coming up, but the person, so the person feels it, they might cry about it, they might write about it, they might talk about it, but then it passes and they're, they're able to function. They're able to go to work they're not drinking you know a bottle of scotch every night to drown out their their pain and sorrow they're participating in life again they can laugh they can smile they can't talk about that person who died too that that says something about that they're in that way able to to start processing right and and they're living their lives they're starting to integrate the idea and the knowledge that somebody died person yeah, the, the, the person just feels lighter. They're not as, they're not crying as often anymore, or it's not as heavy. So you look at, basically you look at the intensity of the pain. Is it less? The duration of the moments of sadness or guilt or anger, is it getting less? And the frequency, is that getting less? So if they cried every single day and now they're crying once a week, but then it moved to once a month, now it's moved to like, because they've been processing, reading or whatever they're doing. And then you go, okay. Either if it's you yourself, it's like, you know what? I am starting to feel better. I'm, I'm feeling lighter. I'm feeling happier. I'm more positive. Of course, those waves will come and get you here and there, right? But they're not as frequent again and not as intense. And you can yeah, keep your eye out on other people and you notice, well, they seem, they seem good. Or, hey, you seem good. Are you okay? Yeah, much better. Thanks. And so... You, you know, you're getting the feedback. Wow. Ooh, that was, that was, that was heavy. Okay. So we, we, we ended on a positive note. I want to thank you, Marianne Van Oyen, My for pleasure. being here on the Executor Health podcast, actually on the show notes. If people want to get in touch with you, there'll be a link to, uh, to get in contact you, contact with you. And mm-hmm. um, I, once again, I want to thank you for being here today and I wish you all the best. Thank you. My pleasure. You've been listening to the Executor Help Podcast. For more details, visit davidedy.com or follow David on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter.